1: Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network that actually holds tiebreakers over every other Major League Baseball team. Looks like we're getting into the playoffs. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, hello.
2: Jake, uh, it's it's a pleasure to be here with you. I thought you were going to say that this is the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network uh, that is... More than once recorded on the side of the road, uh, which I think you have really achieved here. Uh, So, Jacob, would you like to give us a rough estimation as to where you are talking to us right now?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm on a bike trip in an an undisclosed location. uh, And due to COVID-19, I am not recording this inside a public establishment or like a daytime hotel room. So I am currently on the side of the road. I have my computer uh, on the dirt. I am sitting on a wooden crate uh, that has already given me two splinters, and I am watching out for tetanus. Um, but things are good.
2: Uh, if it sounds a little outdoorsy, you that's hear good. some
1: birds chirping, some leaves rustling. That's, that's why. But we're here to talk about the baseball Jordan Schusterman.
2: We are yes that th- those are not sound effects uh, put in from our wonderful producer Bobby Wagner. That is just Jake uh, actually being outside uh, on this episode. It, if I we see are any small animals, like Meg Rowland of Fangraphs, thank you, thank you. Please do, but bring them onto the pod. Uh, we're going to talk to Meg, uh, kind of reviewing this this bizarre sixty game regular season. I know we had a lot of conversations about what we were expecting going into this year, um, and we just kind of want to go over how we think some of these things went, uh whether they were good, bad, or just kind of whatever. Um but call it a we performance Meg, review. Exactly. Uh but before we get to Meg, we do have to check in on this ridiculous postseason race in which almost every team is still alive to get into the postseason as we sit here on Thursday. Uh, September 24th with just a few games to go. The 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 postseason field is really starting to shake out. Now, in the American League, like we said three weeks ago, Jake, I mean, we, we, we basically called it those eight teams. We knew it all along. I mean, it was a weird road to get yeah. there, but we're, we're pretty set in the American League. Although, I will say, the seating in the middle is getting a little crazy. Right now, the Twins have actually just passed the White Sox. So, that uh, could be taking us away from the the Twins-Yankees matchup that we were so excited to see uh, earlier this week. I know,
1: but, I know. It's, it's very funny because, uh you know, the American League, some of these games have been good. A lot of the Cleveland, Chicago games have been great. But I haven't really watched American League baseball in like a week. And I'm really, ex- I mean, it's nice to take a break. Obviously, the two leagues aren't different now. that There's a designated hitter everywhere. But I am excited for the uh, AL wildcard round because so I can remember, like like, I haven't watched an Astros game in like a month.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh so 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 that's so the AL it's hard to really pay attention to them when you have like seven different National League teams uh, at 500 and shuffling between all these different seeds. But but yes, yeah, so we got the you know, the Rays, they clinched the East, the A's clinched the West. The Central's still shuffling around, but we pretty much have those teams and we know Toronto will be the A. But looking at the National League, I mean, my goodness. This was chaos 3 days ago, it is still chaos now. All of these teams have shown to be terrible at times. All of these teams have shown to be very formidable at times. Uh, the Reds and Brewers have been playing a very fun series this week in which both teams have kind of showed off the best versions of themselves. Meanwhile, the Marlins are just still alternating, getting blown out and also beating good teams. Uh, and the Cardinals, who we'll get to in a second, still have more games to play than anybody else. But so are you telling league, honey, me, Jordan, that there yeah. are some flawed
1: baseball teams with records around 500 that
2: maybe like aren't fully deserving of a postseason spot. I am saying that, and somehow all of them are are better than the Mets. But we'll get to Mets con later. Um, <laughs> but but that is but that is true. It's it's really uh, this is exactly what I think everyone was afraid of with this giant postseason is that some of the teams that are getting in are just severely, severely, severely flawed, and it's like, wow, really, you're going to be the team that's going to accidentally beat the Dodgers in the first round, like. That doesn't seem fair, um, but of all all of this mess of National League teams, how do you, I guess my, my my one question for you is: if you could decide how this shakes out, how would you like to see? Who who are the eight teams you would like to see in the postseason?
1: I mean, I want to see the Mets run the table and everyone else lose. I think it would be great. I think it would be it would make Bobby very happy. Uh, but as far as realism goes, I think I would like to see. And I said this. Sorry, car going by. Uh, I I said this on the most recent podcast, but I want to see the Phillies in because I want to see that bullpen on the big stage. It deserves to be there,
2: right? I, I mean, well, <laughs> it deserves. I think it's the opposite. I think it, it doesn't deserve to be there. But maybe you're saying no, no, that- no, no. It deserves to be there. Everyone needs to see this. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. This is this is such a spectacle. No matter how terrible it is, that more people should be exposed um, to this insane thing versus just like the Giants, who are just kind of this amorphous blob of like okay to good players. Right. No
1: one is like, oh, I need to watch the 2020
2: Giants. Exactly. But everyone's cred, like, credit to them. We thought they were going to suck, and they're they clearly don't suck. So like, yeah. You know, hats off to the Giants. Like, good for them but I totally agree. But as far, I'm saying appointment TV. If we're talking Mm. things that I will definitely
1: watch, Philly's bullpen in a postseason game is high on that list. Uh, Our colleague Michael Bauman wrote a good article about just how disastrous they've been on the Ringer.com, and you should all go read it. So I want them in. And then that last spot, I guess it would be between Milwaukee and Cincy. And like, both of those teams are super entertaining. I've come around on the Brewers now as fun just because of Devin Williams, Corbin Burns, and Brandon Woodruff.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I really want to see Joey Votto happy.
2: That would be cool. Yeah, and I know that that we've just watched Joey Votto. You know, he made the postseason... the Reds were good, at, you know, back at his super peak like 10 years ago, um, but they've been so bad for the last few years. And I know he's been so patient with it and he loves the Reds and he wants to see them. So and he's been playing well, like he's been hitting big home runs. Like, yeah, uh, so so I, I totally agree with you there. Now, the the, the they real did win, thi- though, last night, the The Reds beat
1: the Brewers in the last game of that series. Trevor Bauer mm-hmm. was man. The stuff yes. was on on silly three days last rest.
2: night on three days. rest. Yeah, which- I was
1: pretty nuts, man.
2: Yeah, and also he, I mean, of course, the NL Cy Young race, which we talked about on Monday, is still going to come down to these last few days, although Bauer has put himself in very, very good position. But the, the the last team, I think we have to acknowledge here because all these teams are so close. You know, we're talking about, oh, well, that last spot's probably Cincy or Milwaukee, but all these teams are within basically one or one and a half games of each other. And the Cardinals currently sit Ahead of all those teams in the five seed, but with the most games left to play. Now, if you look at their schedule, we know that the Cardinals missed like two, two and a half weeks because they had a COVID outbreak within their team, and so they've been making up these games along the way. They've played. uh They've got one more doubleheader, possibly two, which I'll get to in a second, to bring them to twelve doubleheaders on the season, which is insane. And they're currently in the five seed, ahead of fourteen four are- heads, right? That's that is fourteen heads exactly. Think no, about 24, how twenty four heads, twenty four
1: heads, twenty four 24 heads, 24 heads. Oh,
2: twelve. Right. So so that's that's so many heads. Uh, that's that's almost as many heads as on a, on a baseball team, which is crazy. Um, so, and that's, that's how many more heads, more heads they, head head than Andy Carroll, Jordan. Oh, that's a good reference. Wow, I wonder what team he's on. I don't follow soccer enough anymore. Um, <laughs> so, but we have to talk about the Cardinals because if you look and you say, "Hey, wait a minute," If I look at the schedule right now through Sunday when the season ends the Cardinals are only going to be at 58 games. So this is exactly what we were all worried about when we were like, how the hell are the Cardinals going to get to 60 games? Well, right now, they're only going to get to 58. The way that it has been reported is that if we have to determine whether the Cardinals are in the postseason field or not, have enough wins to be good enough to be one of the top eight teams, if they're already there after Sunday, they will not play on Monday. If they're there and it's just about seeding, They will do the seeding according to their winning percentage for 58 games. However, if they are a half game back or a half game up and they have to get to 60 games for it to be fair to determine whether the Cardinals are actually in the postseason or not, on Monday, they will play a doubleheader or I guess at least one game against the Detroit Tigers, I believe in Detroit, which for the Tigers who were just eliminated yesterday, uh, that is going to be highly uh unfortunate for them to have to do that and of course they will have all incentive (laughs) in the world to lose those games as the cardinals will have all incentive in the world to win them so that could be super duper bonus bizarre baseball that uh, we just have to make sure Uh, you are aware of
1: a very weird part of this
2: super weird part of this
1: is that this has only been reported that like mlb is just like leaking this out or whatever like through jeff passan instead of being like hey everyone like Here's what's definitely going to happen if the Cardinals need to play games. And and right. then it's like here's what could happen. Like what? how what
2: right it's so true and like i like to think a, a decent number of people listen to our podcast here and they're going to now hear and understand this and some people read jeff passen right but like i think there are going to be a lot of people including like cardinals fans on sunday when they finish their game and be like oh we're in and be like wait a minute no we're not in <laughs> like we're gonna find all like how has this not been announced yet like this is extremely relevant information um but it, i guess it's it's also a classic case of mlb being like Uh, This doesn't exist until it has to exist, so we're just not going to acknowledge it. It's like, all right, good, really good strategy there. Those Uh, games in Detroit could be
1: elite, super, super, super weird. Like, there's just a huge amount of weird vibes that are going to be around that game. Like, are the Tigers going to try? Like... It's going to be two seven inning games and then they'll just win the first one and not have to play the second one. Like if the Cardinals are winning, let's say the Cardinals are winning after the first game seven. Do they just like play two more innings
2: to get to nine? Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, I have no idea. Like all of this is going to be so weird because again, by the way, for people that don't already know this, because I know some people have looked at it and been like, oh, but wait, aren't these teams all going to tie? There are all tiebreakers for these teams. We're not having game 163, or I guess game 61. We're not having game 61. That, that's not happening. There are all kinds of crazy tiebreakers that are being applied to these teams that are going to settle who's in and who's out. Uh, but the Cardinals are the rare exception because they are currently not scheduled to get 60 games, and so that is not fair. So... Um, I'm not gonna go through all the tiebre- tiebreakers right now because I don't know them and I'm not even gonna bother. I'll just show up on Tuesday Bro, and I'll we'll do the postseason. Care. Yeah, Yo,
1: <laughs> but, tiebreaker chat, I do not care. Like they were talking about it on right. some broadcast, and the broadcaster was like trying to explain it, and they were like, Yeah, if it's the inner division record against teams who played you at home, and right. eh, it sounded like a Tim Kirchner fun fact. It was like, Well, if right. the Cardinals have seven guys. From the Dominican Republic and the Brewers only have six. That'll give it to the Cardinals if all four teams have the same inner division winning percentage on the road.
2: Right. It's like it's going to come down to which which of these teams right fielders made the fewest errors. I think I read that. Mm. Um, So we'll see. We'll see how it, it breaks down. But again, like, People are like, oh, we're going gonna to have chaos. We're going to have tiebreaker. No, there's no tiebreaker games. We're already going to have an unbelievable amount of baseball in this first week of the postseason. So it's fine. We'll have the tiebreakers. And the other reality of this is if you're, if you're a team that gets screwed by a tiebreaker, guess what? You probably weren't very good in the first place. So I'm not going to feel bad for you.
1: And I uh, want to say, Jordan, I is, texted you yeah. the following thing like a week ago because, you know, looking at all of this, it felt like it was all very crammed. Why is the first series, only three games. Why are there no days off? Why aren't there going to be extra games for tiebreakers? Like, if they're playing this World Series in a dome, why not just have the season go deep into November? Like, who cares? Like, let's just string it out. And Jordan, very intelligently responded with the election. Obviously, that will dominate as it probably should, the news cycle for, like, the f- it already does, but like, to a elect election extent the first week in november and mlb doesn't want to overlap like you don't want to have game five of the world series happening the night of the presidential election like so that is why it's crammed
2: yes and uh hopefully in the future we there are a million reasons why we don't have to cram the postseason even if it does expand um to you know 12 teams or whatever many teams so uh yeah that is why it's going to be chaos but We are going to save our full postseason preview chat for next week, um, but we just wanted to kind of check in and give you an update on where things stand as we record this today on Thursday. All right, Jake, it is time uh, to get to our wonderful guest, uh, Meg Rowley. Uh, We are going to talk to Meg and kind of reflect on this bizarre two-month season. Uh, Meg is great, and you will enjoy this. Uh, Let's go talk to Meg.
0: Calling Meg Rowley. shop.
2: All right, we are now very excited to welcome in Baseball Barbecue for the very first time, Fangraphs' own Meg Rally. Meg Rally, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having me,
2: Meg Rally. Uh, what Meg, is your official, important-sounding title over there?
3: I am the managing editor of Fangraphs.com.
2: Not a big deal. Wow. Not a big deal, okay. folks. Not a big deal. Listen, we had to pry her away from her editing duties uh to come here and join us on this podcast to do some talking which you are also very used to doing obviously on effectively wild all the time but we appreciate you making time for another podcast uh meg rally the regular season is ending in a few days um we entered this regular season in late july with all kinds of horrors about the world and about the baseball on our mind Uh, We had a bunch of new rules. We had a bunch of weird stuff in the stadium, out of the stadium, on the field, et cetera, et cetera. And we thought you would be a good person as someone who likes baseball like us and has watched a lot of baseball this year, both likely out of pleasure and because it is your job, uh, to kind of review uh, some of the elements of the 2020 regular season, because the postseason is going to be a whole other thing, um, and just kind of decide whether we think they were, uh, yeah, like, good Thumbs up. Uh, nah, like bad. Nope, don't like that. Or eh, or meh, like okay. You know, it was it was a thing that existed, and we're fine with it. We didn't love it. We didn't hate it. Yeah, nah, meh,
3: meh. I think that sounds good. Can I can I admit to something that will color my um, my impression of all of these just ever so slightly, which is that um, in addition to uh, meh, y- yeah, and meh, um, I. I, I feel like the changes this year have a, a patina of suspicion about them um, because some of these, I think, we'll talk about were very noticeable. And some of them I totally forgot changed this year. And all of them were introduced at a moment when I think our confidence and trust in the the league and the commissioner of baseball in particular is... is um, it could be better. It might be described as being at an all-time low, and so I would even I, go
1: to say all systems of power. Well,
3: yes, <laughs> in general. I mean, I, I like how you said going into the season there were some problems, and those yeah, all resolved.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, We're not we, in
3: a trash fire every day. So no, we, we still uh, aren't. don't worry. Yes, yeah, so I think that that has um, has influenced my sense of all of them because while some of them I think are fine and if they persist beyond 2020, I won't be bothered. Um, they, they all feel a bit as if um, something has been snuck into the game and that the the motivation for that bit of sneaking isn't that it gives us great fun dynamic baseball um, but that it is in service of an agenda that isn't really geared toward making the fan experience better or the, the players have a better time or showcasing great talent but um, sort of striving for a, a money-making efficiency that is always present in baseball, but was just, uh, you know, there's a lot of saying the, the quiet part out loud this year. So, uh, a patina, a suspicion, like a, like a well-seasoned cast iron pan.
2: Oh, um, extremely well described. Um, before we get into specifics,
1: Mank. Yes. You are in a category of person who it is their job to watch a boatload of baseball. Uh, yes. You cannot do your job well unless you do that. And Correct. Jordan and I are in that similar bucket. And you mentioned that, you know, there were games you watched this year for fun and some for your job. What per- And there's some overlap to this following question, but what percentage of the baseball you watched this year, you, you watched it because you wanted to versus you watched it because you felt like you had to for your job? Like how much was for joy and how much mm-hmm. was for work um, compared to I, a normal year?
3: I think that... um at the risk of sounding Pollyanna-ish, the the majority was for enjoyment. Um, I felt, you know, I felt implicated (laughs) and ethically compromised, and I still do. Um, I think that we escaped this season having pulled it off, which is a testament to a lot of people's very hard work and diligence, um, but also to a lot of good luck Um, and I'm glad that we got through with the, you know, the, the impact, at least to the people involved in baseball being not more dire than it was. And I don't say that to minimize the health consequences that players and staff who contracted COVID have suffered. But, um, I think that, you know, when the Marlins outbreak happened, I was just convinced like oh that's it we're not gonna have we're baseball done. right we're and, done. and then
2: the cardinals and we were still like okay this is just- we're gonna be done
3: and yeah. so the fact that we got where we did is is surprising and i think allows us all to feel uh impressed even though you know there were still bad things that happened this year clearly um but it felt it felt really great to have baseball back. Um, baseball has a way of even when it is the source of consternation and frustration on my part of being, um, a pretty meaningful salve for what ails me. Um, and so it felt really, it felt really great to watch baseball, even when it also felt kind of icky and sometimes really icky, um, to be doing so. So, uh, a lot of the baseball this year was me just getting to enjoy it, um, even while I was aware of the fact that uh, it seemed weird that we were doing it at all. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, I think it I is... I still don't
3: know how to reconcile that, as totally. an aside. Like, I don't say that as if, oh, well, we got to 60 games, and now we are absolved of all of the risk that we took. Um, it was still a wild risk to take, and I, I don't think we have a good answer on... Um, whether the resources that were deployed to make the season happen might not have been better used uh, in the communities where teams play. I think the answer to that is probably yes. So um, I don't say that like now we're off the hook. Oh, we certainly not. Well, and, almost and, 60.
2: <laughs> and I would say like, first of all, very important to establish that whole context for the conversation we we're about to have. Um, but also that uh, as I've learned on this podcast and have made a fool of myself, there was a day a few, this was like three or four weeks ago when I was like, hey, look, all the game, all the teams played on the same night for the first time in three weeks. And then like the next day we had another positive. So, yeah. you know, like, and by the way, we're not out of the woods yet either. We're about no. to enter this bubble situation and we're this insane notion that we're going to have fans, whatever we're going to, we're going to put that aside for now because we can only go with that. But for the purpose of this conversation with that context in mind, uh, I do want to just kind of d- discuss some of these specifics because like the reality is we, we all watched a lot of baseball and there were things that were different and there were things that were the same and i just wanted to kind of go over what the experience of watching them in the moment and we're not talking about whether we should keep them whether we should they should be implemented whatever what did it feel like to have these things happen so jake i'm going to start with uh with a very we're going to kind of bounce between like the actual baseball being played and just the experience of watching it uh, so let's begin uh with Cardboard cutouts. And I want to start with cardboard cutouts, Meg, because I know you have uh, some personal involvement with with us, particularly for cardboard cutouts. So cardboard cutouts, Meg, uh, in the stands, uh, yeah, nah, or meh?
3: Uh, I I vote yeah. Um, And not just because they are good relative to the abomination that is the CGI fan, which is uh, (laughs) meh.
1: That's a (laughs) ah. That's a a, ah. That's a super Uh, duper nah.
3: I don't care for that at all. It is not to my taste. Um, I like the cardboard cutouts. They are, they are strange because they have, they have height, but very little weight and almost no depth at all. And so they help to maintain a particular illusion of fullness, which I think is nice. Um, You know, and not every ballpark has done it to the same degree, which I find fascinating and would read a much too long piece about, but um, like We've had occasion to watch a lot of Reds baseball in the last uh, two weeks, and um, they have a section behind home plate that has been empty the entire season, and I do not understand why, and I demand
1: answers. It is so weird. You
3: could put, you could put people there. Right. Why also, is it empty? Like,
2: if for the first—okay, so for like the first week of the season— some teams went all in immediately, right? We saw the Mariners, right. Oakland. I know there were some teams, it was like first, right out the gate, we're just going to, Dodgers, yeah. it's like, we're just going to fill it up. Great. Some teams were slow to adapt it, but by now, I'm pretty sure every stadium has some capacity of cardboard cutouts, but it is so weird, the the range of fullness, because the yes. Mariners have like the entire lower bowl. The Dodgers have like, I think it's like 20,000. It's ridiculous. And then some teams, it's just weirdly spread out, so.
3: But I think that they, um, when they are viewed head on, they make the the park look full, especially in concert with the fake crowd sound. But you do get the shots where you can see that they are cardboard. And um, I, I like the shot in particular, like from the press box angle where you just see the white backs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so that's strange and disconcerting. Um, I made it to my my first and only live game of the year last, uh, last night, I went to the Mariners game against, um, Houston and, uh, was up in the press box and, um, it, you know, when you're there early to, to cover a game, it's very strange to see the, the stands that full, Everyone, it just is the most polite crowd you've ever seen in your entire life. They're all very orderly. It's like they're in church. Right. Um, but I think in general, it has allowed uh, things to feel um, slightly more normal. And then in the moments when that, um, that illusion is shattered, it is often quite funny, like someone's head getting taken off by, uh, by a ball. The, the only time that we are allowed to enjoy someone in the stands getting beaned, right? Like right. we clearly... right. Right, that's, so uh,
2: yeah. which which I would say, like I've seen some players like chuck the ball into the stands like at full speed because yeah. it just like looks ridiculous, and I know yeah. Broadcast have pointed that out. Jake, would you have I, some favorite? I have a huge thing? curiosity. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I have quite a curiosity in regards to what the hell is going to happen in the bubble, because like, are right. the Dodgers going to pack up twenty thousand? Cardboard cutouts and like put them in a U-Haul and drive them to Globe Life Field and then put them out only for their games. Like, is MLB going to let teams bring cardboard cutouts? Are we going to have any cardboard cutouts in the bubble stadiums? Do the Dodgers leave up their fans when Dodger Stadium is hosting American League games?
3: Right.
2: Oh, that's a great point.
3: I think they should fill it with Hall of Famers, right? Like, shouldn't they just pick a bunch of of notable baseball sorts um over the years from a variety of teams so that no one feels like they're being favored. And then it'll be uh it'll have a very uncomfortable, weird like field of dreams vibe to it, as you know.
1: It's a great question. So know, many because... old Hall of Famers. <laughs> just like, yeah. hey, look, it's is that Robert Marinville? <laughs> a rap soto.
2: I, what, I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like the weirdest part, too, is that like, yeah, who who is even in charge of that? Like, is it the Rangers responsibility? Very much not in the postseason to fill Globe Life Field with with like neutral fans, right? Like right, right. now, I guess they have a bunch of like people wearing Rangers stuff, but I don't so know. That's weird. a great point. That's a great yeah. point. Um, All right, okay. Meg, let's yeah. transition to just mm-hmm. the
1: very simple. Yeah, nah or meh. Uh No fans. Empty stadiums. Yeah. No no living, breathing, public people in the parks.
3: Yeah. Yeah, thumbs up. Two (laughs) thumbs. Way, way. Way up. up. I mean, it is, I I hate the circumstances that have necessitated that, but um, you know, the folks listening cannot see me, but you guys can. I'm, I'm wearing a a Seahawks sweatshirt right now. My enjoyment of any given football game um, so far this season has been directly correlated to whether or not there are people in the, in the stadium. Uh, It is a source of constant anxiety. Uh, It's, it's a source of anxiety to have ballplayers who are tested regularly there. I can't imagine what it would feel like to watch a game and just Think about like the Arnod number that is going to change in that community by having fans there. So I hope that um, we, the idea of there being fans for postseason games, is bluster on the commissioner's part because it just seems so obviously irresponsible. Right. Um, this and, and is a, a very minor sacrifice to make in order to have both safe cities, which is the primary concern, and and postseason baseball. So
2: totally.
1: Agree. Yeah, now is a good time to remind everybody that like literally two hundred thousand Americans have died. And that, you know, that is easy, not easy to forget, but gets lost when we're just talking about should there be fans or not, you yeah, know, like, like
2: no. yeah. and, and it's, it's hard to, I obviously for the, you know, extremely selfish people trying to make money, I can imagine it being weird to reckon like, Hey, wait, they just had 20,000 people. Why don't we get to have 20,000 people? It's like, right. well, because you are deciding to be more responsible. Great. Right. Congratulations. Like right. you should, it should not be an obvious thing to get congrats for, but I agree like It makes me feel way better knowing (laughs) that there are very few people uh, in these stands. So totally agree with that. Uh, Okay, let's move to some rule changes here. Universal DH, I know you grew up American League fan. You're already giving me a thumbs up. I Super duper yeah, super duper yes, uh, but you agree?
3: I agree. Have you even noticed the pitchers aren't hitting?
2: Okay, this is my point. There is no chance that there are National League fans out there this season that have been like, damn, I really wish Jacob deGrom was going to bat this week. Oh, man, I really was really looking forward to watching Clayton Kershaw uh, step into the box. There's no this chance. This is Bobby
4: Wagner erasure. This is Bobby Wagner <laughs> okay. erasure. Okay, Bobby
2: Wagner, Mr. Mets fan, are you said, telling me you're really missing the deGrom at-bats? Say it. You, can you say that? I like to watch deGrom strike out other pitchers. Okay. I don't know. The, the at-bat's fine. Padding the stats. He doesn't need it. He's the best pitcher. I agree
1: with this. I agree with this take. I also am, yeah, generally for DH uh, universally. However, I think it is funny when very elite pitchers have to face uh, pitchers hitting and the talent gap is just so apparent and striking. You know, we talk all the time like, oh, what if I was in the big leagues? Like, how shitty would I be? Like, that is the closest that we see to that. And I Especially, would like... Yeah. I would say I want, like, each team gets two games a year where pitchers hit.
2: Just so we <laughs> two have games a year. I think you should get two at-bats. You should literally... You have, like, two times when you get to send up a pitcher for no, no, any You reason. have to. You have oh, you to. Have to. You're, it's mandated. Okay. So I think
4: every game should start with a ceremonial each starting pitcher has to bat against the other starting pitcher and then we can start the game.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. So, So, okay, <laughs> Meg, like... For all the obvious reasons, but but like you said, you, you have, has anybody missed it? Has anybody noticed? Like,
3: no, I don't. I don't imagine that that anyone that anyone has. So you know, um, I think that there, if pitchers hitting was a thing that we were going to commit to and make a developmental priority in the minor leagues, it would be one thing. But the specialization happens so early, and they're just so bad. They're so bad. It is not. Uh, it is not replacement level. It is not quad a hitting. It is, it is a waste of an at bat. Uh, and we have so many great, amazing young hitters. Yes. It's <laughs> I like, want to watch them.
2: Please let's, why are we taking any at bats away from them? And it is just like that feeling of it being two outs and the pitcher coming up or that feeling of it being one out and it's the eight hitter and that's the pitcher. And it's just like, well, the inning's over. Like, that sucks. Like that is not fun or interesting to watch. And whatever strategy people are saying they miss, I just do not buy that that's better than watching more good players hit the ball.
3: Well, and, and, you know, Bobby, not to like dismiss your point, but, um, to, to offer a different way to think about it. Um, I, if it were me would find it more satisfying to watch Jacob deGrom say, strike out Juan Soto. Because that's a good hitter, and it highlights the skill of the pitcher. I I don't know if that has happened this year, but I suspect it has because Jacob Degrom's amazing, and Juan Soto is great. But like you know, even those guys strike out every now and again. So wouldn't you rather see strength meet strength?
4: Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, of course, doing a little bit of a bit. I'm philosophically opposed to the Universal <laughs> DH because I grew up a National League fan. Sure. and It's obviously an argument that we don't need to have right now right. because oh, it's been no. had by like every right. single person who's ever talked it's about baseball. It's my least
1: favorite argument. I hate it. I, and it's go away, really bad. Bobby. Don't even bring up the concept <laughs> of this argument.
4: <laughs> no, I'm just doing a bit. Obviously, it'd be better to watch Jacob deGrom strike out Juan Soto, except there's also the possibility that he might hit a 500-foot home run, and I don't care for right. that. Right. You'd Those are stakes,
0: like, baby.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that right. sounds like
2: a you problem. <laughs> Yes. Yes.
4: I'm not used to stakes as a Mets fan.
2: <laughs> Man, there, there's the problem, I guess.
3: Watching the emotional um, journey of Mets fans in the new era of ownership is a thing that I look forward to. Uh, as to
1: trust me. Uh, oh, trust
2: me. Oh, trust me. We're
1: we right are on. in on this. Uh, last point I'll make on this. I, I tweeted something like this before the year started to the effect of like, are, are people really going to miss like a nice, well-timed double switch? Like, does anyone go to a game and like bring their children and pass down the love of love of baseball for like a very tactical double switch. No, right No, you go for the days.
2: (laughs) What I'm saying, like, I, I, I remember we talked about this, like picturing, like, you know, the manager comes out and he's like showing this, you know, his lineup card to the umpire, and like the fans start noticing what's going on, and they like stand up and start cheering like crazy, like, "Oh my goodness, what a move! This nice. is a, such incredible tech." Derek from Great Neck is like, "Ah, that's what we love to see, Aaron. Go get him!" <laughs> that's boy. why, hey, you never know what you're going to see when you when you go to the ballpark. Uh, all right, next one here for you, Meg. Uh, this is kind of combined seven inning double headers, and also just this insane amount of doubleheaders that we had this year in general. Obviously, again, context is not good. It's not good that we had this many doubleheaders, but no. just the fact that we watched this many doubleheaders in a season uh, was the most we've had in 20 years and that there were seven innings. Yeah, 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 narrow, meh.
0: Um,
3: so I, I'm i mostly meh on this. It's hard for me to judge this one absent the context of why they were necessary in terms of the number, in terms of their duration. Um. I think that... I haven't really minded them. The one the one thing I have not appreciated is the feeling of disorientation that can arise when you are having a day where you've been busy, you know, you've been editing fangraphs.com for instance and it's been a busy day and you have not been as attuned to the minutia of the schedule as you might be on a typical day and you turn on a game and and there is this moment where you don't understand why a particular pitcher who is usually deployed in a different way is in the game and you don't know why the broadcasters have the urgency around the base state that they do because it's only the sixth inning and there's time and then you realize it's because oh no 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 we are we are in the final stretches of this particular baseball contest so I don't love that feeling because it makes me feel like a doof and um, I do enough of that to myself I um, totally but,
1: agree with this I have this but, beef too where like yeah
3: Where are we?
1: (laughs) If you click, if you're like on MLB TV and like you click on the game, like it doesn't denote whether it's a seven in or a nine inning game. Right. And at first I got pissed about this, but then I was like, what do they make it like a fraction? Like this is like five out of seven and like two out of nine. No, but like, no, I'm but some sure broadcasts
2: have been better about this and that they, yes. they have a note the whole game that says this is seven innings or like right. this is game one of a double or whatever. And like yeah. for some of the teams like the Marlins and Cardinals that have played so many, there have been times when they don't denote it, or maybe I'm watching the road broadcast and they don't denote it or whatever. And they go to the eighth. And I'm like, oh nice, like the Cardinals are playing nine innings today. Like the Cardinals have had the reverse effect, or I just assume all their games are seven innings. So, oh, so don't even get me started about an
1: eighth inning of extra innings. Like right. that is
3: oh. right. And then you have a runner on second in in the eighth. And you know, I have had the most intense sense of like time disorientation this entire year because
2: obviously meh,
3: right. gestures. Um, and so it is to have that sense compounded by the thing I like best and have to engage with or to think that a, a game is nine innings and and see something else on MLB TV and go oh I'll come back to that and then it's gone because it was a seven inning game
2: <sighs> yeah no I I totally agree there are so many levels of disorientation even getting used to it um I will say okay then then this is a transition because this is, is semi no here. yeah one second go, go, go. Before we finish this, I need
1: to just say that I fucking hate it. I hate the seven inning games. I hate it so much, and I wish I could be more eloquent about why I hate it, and perhaps I should have put more time into thinking about why I hate it before I espoused my uh, opinions on a baseball podcast that is my job. However, I hate this so much. I think it is because it does not flow like a normal baseball game flows, and they feel cheaper to me. Like, they don't... Yeah. Even as a Baltimore Orioles fan who wishes that every game this year was seven innings so that they could shorten <laughs> them all and maybe squeeze out a couple more wins, uh, it just didn't... They don't feel right to me. They just... Ah,
3: man. Well, it, and I think that the reason I want people to sort of hold firm against this is because in a normal year where you have a full 162-game slate and you have just a lot more time to make up games that might need to get, you know, banged because of rain or whatever. There's no compelling baseball argument to my mind that necessitates this. It is purely a function of schedule. And so I hope that it is something that we are... Uh, sort of think about in that way so that when we hopefully are able to um, resume something resembling a normal baseball schedule next year, we can look around and say, this is unnecessary because the conditions under which we are playing are fundamentally, hopefully knock on wood, different than they were last season. So that's the way that I'm kind of thinking about justifying my my own dislike for it, apart from my doofy brain, not being able to grapple with seven versus nine. <laughs>
1: Look, if they, if they keep this and in 2024, when we can safely have fans back in the stands, I better be getting a cheaper ticket for a seven inning game. If I'm paying for your time, like I want to watch my nine innings of baseball. And that's uh, that's that. All right, Jordan, what do you got next?
2: Uh, OK, next one. This is a very specific uh, uh, rule that I think a lot of people made a big deal out of uh, before the season when we were talking about the health and safety protocols of in-game and how players can be uh, safe and make sure they're not, you know, getting in other people's uh, spaces. Uh, pitchers having their own rosin bags. Yeah, nah, or meh? Wet um, rag chat.
3: <laughs> yeah. Wet, where was the wet rag? This
2: is the thing I've right never here. seen the wet rag. It's right I, have here. Not, I have not seen a wet rag at any point, but I have noticed many times pitchers forgetting their rosin bag and going yes. back and getting it. So, but what what do you think?
3: Yeah, uh, this is meh for me. I mean, I enjoyed the day of wet rag chat. I'm alive, um, but I think that the uh, this sort of faded in terms of its importance to me, in part because of what we've learned about surface transmission and um so i am grateful to have not felt the need to fixate on this if that makes sense um i i I did like in the early going when guys would forget their bag and they'd sort of trudge out there with a sheepish look on their face like oh i forgot my toys especially for a walk-off right my tools were left behind i am so sorry so because you know how baseball players talk so um that's how
2: that's just like that
3: Yeah, just like that. So, yeah, I'm kind of meh on this and grateful to not have a more um, strongly held opinion.
2: I
1: am curious as to whether they were, like, inspected. Because if I was allowed to, like, bring a bag of dust and goop onto the mound that no one checked, (laughs) I mean, that there's going to be some stuff in there. I'll tell you that much.
2: I have no doubt that there's there Jake some, special stuff. Some uh some hijinks going on uh there. But yeah, anyone- mean, like you mentioned, like the sheepish, especially like after a big strikeout and it's like yeah, I gotta go oh, gotta get, go back. Gotta go get my bag. Yeah. 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 No, that's that that's a good one. Yeah. Uh okay, here's another one. Um, sort of related to the the crowd atmosphere or crowd atmosphere, whatever. The actual where people are during the games. Players sitting in the seats and not in the dugouts during the games, yeah, Narameth.
3: Uh yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, One it, of my favorite
2: things that I have had. And we I'm again context, glad that we will hopefully we'll never have this again. But right. what we have how we have seen players use this, I've I think has been great.
3: If the only thing it gave us this year was Steven Strasberg getting ejected from the stands, if that was all it gave us. Apart from a, a sense of uh, uh, responsible social distancing, if that was all it gave us, it would be worth it.
2: I agree. I agree. I agree. I love like the A's were making signs. Oh yeah, which is great. We've got you know certain like the bullpen is doing all. I love where the the bull, the relievers have to sit like in totally different parts. Like they're literally sitting in the outfield seats. Like it's just it's just great. Anything seeing the, that like, fosters weirdness
1: is a is a plus. Generally. Uh, Next question for you. Yeah, or meh. Runner on second. Extra innings. What do you think?
3: Okay. So this, this is perhaps the rule I have most in mind when I talk about the patina of suspicion. So I have, I have not minded it as much as I thought that I would um i thought i would feel very fussy about it um that's a not that's not a very generous word to use to describe people who have a, 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 a sense of recoil at this but i thought i'd feel fussy about it i have minded it less um i wish that it had facilitated more fun base running decisions um you know at fan uh one of our writers Ben Clemens wrote about sort of this this rule making players like Billy Hamilton potentially just valuable enough um based on the strategy of extra innings to roster and that hasn't really proven to be true in his case in particular but just generally um i i don't i don't dislike it I don't love the idea of us having rules that um, sort of persist throughout a regular season and then abruptly change in the postseason, and And so the idea that we will play... Um, extra innings baseball of a very different stripe once we reach October doesn't sit particularly well with me because I want there to be some structural consistency. The postseason is already sort of a strange creature. Um, So to make it even stranger and more divergent from regular season baseball isn't uh, to my taste. So I... I think that while my day-to-day viewing experience of it has not been overwhelmingly negative, I'm a just conceptually. And because I don't want this to be something that persists beyond 2020.
1: I think I disagree with your point about, uh, the structural consistency, especially when you compare it to other sports. So like, which I have watched before, some of which I do enjoy, uh, one that I do not enjoy is the National Football League. And I believe that they keep playing uh, in the playoffs if they're tied. And in the regular season, they tie. Although I guess that that is exceptionally rare. Uh, but in hockey, they in the playoffs, they just keep on playing. And there's they no shootouts. Forever. They just like until the world burns, aka right, now. They play
3: for they play forever.
1: So I guess, yeah, that doesn't totally irk me. I think I also agree that this, I, I hated this to start. And I now like it. I am now, I don't know if I would want to keep it. And I'm happy that that it's not my job to have to decide to keep it or not. But if they keep it, I'd be like, all right. And if they got rid of it, I'd be like,
3: okay. I wonder too, if this is the rare baseball rule where your proclivity for it is uh, or not is sort of geographically determined because I live on the West coast. And so the 20 inning game, you know, at Dodger Stadium is like a nice thing to fall asleep to. And it is going to ruin your guys' entire day the next day. Okay, we welcome it.
2: We welcome so, it. So, you know, glad, I th- I'm glad you bring I this up, though. That. The notion of the the eternal game, right? Which we, yeah. have, we have. I'm pretty sure the longest game we've had this year was 13 innings. I think that happened yeah. once. And I think that like like you guys, I agree. I also thought it was an abomination and then it was like, okay, it's kind of fun. And I know some people have argued like it's cool to add a sense of urgency immediately and add that like something's going to happen or the game's going to end soon. I totally get that. I would say an unintended thing that is great is that when it does get to an 11th and 12th now, it's like, holy shit, I can't believe these dumbass teams have not scored yet. Like, that, <laughs> and like that is a fun thing to kind of watch and be like, wow, I can't believe they're still playing this game. Unlike sometimes in a regular x training game, it's like, well, yeah, these teams aren't good and it's hard to score. So like, of course they haven't scored. And that's not fun. It's just like, damn, well we're just stuck watching this baseball game. Um, I can't so,
3: believe that you, a Mariners fan would discount like the 20 inning Mariners Tigers well, game oh, of a I couple of years ago. I
2: recall that very, very well. Let's uh, think of Andy Dirks every day.
1: <laughs> I think that I, the reason I am fine with it, not being in the postseason. Also like the, the vibe of like the max Muncie game, right. Where yeah. that was so important relatively like right. in the scope of baseball, where, every pitch, every play mattered to the World Series, right? And that's not the case for, like, the Diamondbacks-Rangers series that just happened. And, like, if one of those games had gone 14 innings, like, and regular X-training rules, like, no one cares, you know? So there's no tension to it.
3: Sure, but I don't know that forced uh sort of urgency is necessarily super compelling to me yeah. either i guess as part of it right it's like well
2: and you could apply I, that same logic this same notion for the seven inning games i hear broadcasters trying to argue for not not necessarily maybe they're just doing it because they're on tv but they'll be like yeah it's great like we're a fifth inning we have the sense of urgency it's like okay but like that we didn't have to do that like i mean i know right. this year we did but the, in general trust, we didn't have to do that
1: here's my take you cannot trust broadcasters or real, you know, beat reporters either, but mostly broadcasters about either of these rules because <laughs> they more than anyone else want to leave. Yeah, uh, especially <laughs> well, broadcasters. They right. like not all of them, I should say, but a lot of them. Like so much of the conversation on a baseball broadcast is like, "Well, I hope this one's a jiffy, so we right, can get like, to our dinner two reservation hours and fourteen minutes. What a treat!" So, it's like, okay. The broadcasters generally, to me, are always like pro anything that speeds the game up at right. all.
3: I I did enjoy that the very, like, I think the Friday, the opening, the full day of opening day um, resulted in an extra innings game with the A's. And I don't remember who Oakland was playing, but, you know, your expectation with a runner on second is that, you know, like, a lot of teams will bunt that guy over and then, you know, a sack fly scores him. And my my very favorite part of that was, oh, they were playing the Angels because Shohei Otani messed up on the base paths, So the Angels, you know, half of the inning was just, you know, a non-starter. And then it ended because Matt Olson walked them off with like a giant home run. <laughs> and I was like, this is great. This is like the rule worked but it really didn't work exactly the way it was intended to this is delightful it only went through.
2: and and i know sam miller has written and spoken extensively about all the ways in which he loves it and and wants like enjoys the how many different ways right because we thought it was like okay they'll bunt him over and then it's the same thing over and over but like it's very much has not been that and i will say credit to yeah so
1: jordan the last last thing about this like the uh person who gets super fired up about double switches
2: now has this to care about for <laughs> right, strategy. Right. Oh. There you go. That same person that's cheering on the double switches. Uh, this is, this switch, is very much different.
3: Switch, 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 Did switch, switch, recast, Yeah! That recasts the whole rule in sort of an, a generous spirit. That's you know, what we're all about. Horse, a little horse trade. It's, a,
2: it's all about generous spirit. Uh, my last <laughs> right. point here, I, I just want to say, I say maybe this is for the postseason preview, but like The whole, I know you brought up the Max Muncie Eternal game, right? And that was the World Series where we will maybe have real off days. But if we have like a crazy 17 inning game in this postseason, it is going to destroy teams in ways that with no off days, it is going to be chaos. It's going to destroy me. It's going to destroy Meg. First and foremost, of course, is most importantly. And then right. after that, the baseball teams playing in it will be similarly devastated. So, uh, anyway, yeah. I just wanted to mention
3: one that. One of the I things you know. learn about your 30s is that anticipating being tired is almost as bad as actually being tired. <laughs> uh,
2: oh, man. So. That might be a good note to end on, Jake, unless you have any other I ones. Have you to cover. I have two okay, more. I have two more. Go ahead. One, is very,
1: one is very quick and feels kind of a, an obligatory three batter uh, minimum for relievers. Have you thought about this at all?
3: Uh, I'm going to say, but that was my expectation going into the season. So I think that, um, you know, a lot was made of this. But then when, you know, when the aforementioned Sam Miller looked at it for ESPN, when Ben Clemens looked at it for us uh, at Fangraphs, the number of of situations where this was really going to do much of anything was actually fairly fairly small. Um, And so my expectation was not that it would be the thing I would notice when rosters expanded to accommodate the pandemic. You just knew that you were going to have more reliever related shenanigans because, Starters had less time to ramp up for summer camp or whatever nonsense we decided to call it. And so there was going to be more relief for usage anyhow. So I think that whatever effect we were likely to see was muted by circumstance, and it wasn't going to be particularly impactful anyhow. It wasn't going to be the kind of thing that the average fan sat there and was like, oh, wow, this has really changed my perception of the pace of the game or appreciably altered its length. So uh, it's kind of-
2: It has not made a difference. And by the way, I've still seen a whole lot of Ali Perez. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> uh, I, I have not, well, you bring up Ali there, Perez. All the time. Yeah. This is my
1: favorite thing that is that this has led to, is where if you have like two outs and the pitching team is up in like a big spot, let's use Ali Perez. Ali Perez comes in to get a lefty out, right? And does it. And then has to pitch you two more batters, both righties. And it's just... Just a disaster. That's, <laughs> That's true. My I have, favorite
2: part. It it is it is great to see it not like to see a pitcher try to uh, a, you know manager try to get away with it yeah. right because they don't have to come back the next inning at the inning ends. But like you said, none of it. The problem that it was supposedly solving, not we have no idea in this season because there were so yeah. many relievers and the game still takes forever and whatever whatever. So I totally agree. Jake, you have one more.
1: Yeah. uh the playoffs. Playoffs uh, are expanded. We do not know if this will continue. There are now 16 teams in them, which feels like too many considering that the Reds look like they're going to make it and they're one game over 500. Um, this was sprung to us very late. I actually believe we learned about this after the first pitch of the Yankees-Nationals game on opening day. It was
3: hours before. Well, it before. was not.
1: Re- okay. It was but, but reported the, hours before, but not confirmed by MLB until after <laughs> first pitch. The press
2: release nuts. definitely Meg, came out after. Yeah, now yeah, the postseason.
3: Yeah. Well, the 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 leagues might have, but the ESPN press release came out. Before that, <laughs> so I was like, "No, we're gonna we can start changing the way we calculate playoff odds because ESPN has told me these games are happening."
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, so, cool, that's, cool, cool. That was very Kylie relevant to Kylie texted you. Job.
3: Kylie
1: texted you. He was like, "Hey, this is happening.
2: Please mm. start starting. Get Sean dolanar get get working because oh, uh, it's God. about to get crazy." Um, yeah. But All but right. I guess for the for, as far as watching and following this postseason race because we don't know what the postseason is actually going to look like. Forget about how the three rounds, whatever, like. Actually, following the season, yeah, never met with 16 teams getting in.
3: Um, I mean, this answer might not make a ton of sense, but I appreciated that because the stakes were sort of lowered going in by more teams making it, it felt more like normal baseball to me. Um, the every game really matters. And of course, every game did matter more, even with the expanded postseason. But the idea that every game mattered right away. Uh, was uh, very strange and disorienting because you know, like you get into baseball and you're like, well, does it really matter? Because the Orioles are playing the Tigers today. That doesn't seem like it's going to be anything. Um, I I have enjoyed what the the Central has uh hoisted on us really in both uh leagues but particularly in the National League like every game this week between NL Central teams um has felt very important and dramatic and I don't disagree that a team that's a game over 500 making the postseason feels um pretty ridiculous but um that this last sort of week and a half has been pretty exciting um I I don't think that we need to like have an extended conversation at this juncture about what this format incentivizes in teams and the ways in which we are all nervous about that. Um, and the effect it will have on fan experience. I appreciate why it might have felt um, sort of fitting this year, given the reduced schedule and wanting to see more baseball. Um, but uh, I guess kind of eh in general, I've appreciated it more in the last week. Um, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I would say too, like, Right. Without getting into how real this should be going forward, it is true that there are, unlike a lot of Septembers, where there are four or five games on the schedule you can kind of not pay attention to, almost every game has some sort of postseason implication right now, besides this D-backs Rangers series that we just had. Like, it is, whether it's seating or whether it is actually getting in, like, it is cool to have every game make a difference uh, at this point. Orioles so.
1: Red Sox was irrelevant as shit, baby. Let's oh, go. Orioles Red Sox, there
2: you go. That one was oh, uh man. that one was was not one of those, but um it's okay. For the people that missed that one, I think that's probably fine. Uh okay, Meg Rowley this was a wonderful edition of Yeah now nah, or Meh. Uh you did a great job. I say yeah to your podcast appearance. Oh thank and, you. And uh where can uh people uh read the work that you edited and the work that you produce and your great tweets.
3: Uh, So I'm on Twitter at Meg Rowler, and I edit Fangraphs.com. So you can occasionally read me there, but mostly read words that I help to spiff up, though they don't generally require a ton of spiffing. Uh, So we certainly appreciate folks reading the site and uh, supporting our work with memberships if they feel so inclined.
2: There you go. Support Fangraphs people.
1: Every time that you use uh, Fangraphs playoff odds uh, elsewhere, anybody else, if you do not have a membership, just give like a dollar to charity, also.
3: Or you <laughs> just, can you can also uh, donate directly to Fangraphs. We are uh, we're not picky. <laughs> yeah. go, ahead.
2: Give them, go ahead, give them money. Baseball is yeah. better because Fangraphs exists, so thank please support you. them. Uh, thank you, Meg. Uh, we will talk to you again soon.
3: Sounds good. Thanks for having me.
2: Baseball Barbecue is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. By now, you've probably heard about FanDuel Sportsbook's world-class sports betting app. FanDuel makes it easy to find and place your bets. They've got some of the best odds you'll find anywhere. And when you win, they even get you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. There's a lot of reasons to try FanDuel Sportsbook, but here's a few more. Right now, new users can place their first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook risk-free and get up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. Seriously, there's no strings attached. Just place any bet you want. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get your entire bet up to $1,000 back in site credit. I'm taking a look right now at the World Series 2020 odds. We were about to have one heck of a postseason. Dodgers, as they have been all year, the heavy favorites currently sitting at plus 350. But I'm looking at the Padres, A's, and White Sox at plus 1,000. I like the White White Sox and Padres there. My goodness, why are they lower odds than the the Yankees? The Yankees are a mess. The White Sox and Padres have the best vibes in the league. I would be going heavy on those plus 1,000 there uh, because those teams are more fun than the Yankees. Sorry. To start betting, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and be sure to sign up with the promo code BBQ so they know I sent you. It's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code BBQ. 21 and up, present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in Indiana. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. This
0: episode is brought to you by Viore. see website for details.
1: All right, and we are back here on Baseball Barbecue with the final regular season Metscon of the year. Our producer Bobby Wagner uh against his better judgment is a New York Metropolitan's fan. And on Metscon, we ask him how he's feeling about the Mets now as we stand right now and I'm still standing on the side of the road. Uh the Mets are still technically eligible for the postseason. Bobby, they need to win out, and their enemies need to lose out. How are we feeling?
4: I take slight issue with the uh, against my better judgment. You're making it seem like I can just choose not to do this. Can Jordan just choose not to be a Mariners fan? Can you just oh, well, choose well, not to be an Orioles fan? He chose to I be did, a Mariners I fan. I did
2: choose to be a Mariners fan, but but your point is still is still solid. You are in it. You're born into it, and that's your life. That's fine. That's we we understand that. But the Mets right dharma. now. I will say. Uh, I will say, Bobby, last night. When I saw the post-game press conference of them losing, I I assumed they had been eliminated the way they were talking, (laughs) but it sounds like they are still mathematically in it, but we assume they will be in the next 24 to 48 hours. But how are you feeling? Where is the MetsCon meter at right now?
4: It's MetsCon 5.
2: I've never felt better. This is right in the sweet spot of when I feel
4: good as a Mets fan. It's when they're not technically mathematically eliminated, but they have to win every single game for the rest of the year, and everybody ahead of them for the playoff spots has to lose every single game for the rest of the year that's right where we're at right now it's a very uh familiar feeling for me i feel like it's happened every year for the last three years and i like it i feel good we're, we're retreating the threat is over 2020 you is feel, done baby i feel great you feel
1: comfortable here is what i you're feel saying. a weight
4: lifted off my shoulders i can finally turn on a different team as my primary watch for the <sighs> night i don't that's have good to turn to think the mets it. on
1: Bobby, this reminds me of Harry Potter sleeping under the stairs, where like Harry Potter became so comfortable. Yeah, he became so comfortable with the cupboard that after a while, like shout out to Benjamin. Harry Potter became so comfortable with the cupboard that after a while he was like, Yeah, I just like I sleep under the cupboard. Like everything else feels too big. Yeah, like you should not become comfortable with this feeling of the Mets where they are right now. That's concerning. Uh,
4: But this feels like a pivot point though, because the Wilpons just sold the team. They're about to sell S&Y, maybe, well, while it's leveraged out of its ass. That's a whole different conversation. And Sandy Alderson is back, who has made basically everything, every move that has been good about this team. Like, every every positive, every planted root about this team right now was planted by my friend Sandy Alderson. And he's been with the A's for the last couple of years. Obviously, the A's are doing a great job. And um, I feel
2: fine about it. So, Will Pond's out soon obviously cohen's taken over uh alderson in what day do we find out that there is uh, no more brody do you think it will be the day after the world series or do you think this will take place during october is there a chance he stays is there a chance he stays is. like edmund
4: sandy just has final baseball decision and they just exist cohesively well, why would he want to do that i don't know he's good at talking to people that's basically all the Mets gm does is just go on fucking press conferences
1: He's good even in a when, press conference. He's even, great even in press Even when they conference. don't
4: know the cameras on. Yeah, I was going like, to He's got power energy. Yeah, well, <laughs> too good at talking to people. Talking to people he doesn't know are there.
1: Brody just has, like, competent character, relatively competent character and succession energies.
4: Him being in there is, like, it, it sort of muddies up the water, though. He's got to go. I, I agree that he has to go. I think he will get fired in, like, November.
2: I, Maybe they'll my, sneak the it into is, an election news cycle. Nobody will even talk about it. Well, and we started We started talking about this when it became clear that the Wilpons would be out. And we assumed Brody would be out. Is that like, what the hell is the next step for him? Because does he, can he go back to being Jacob DeCrom's yes. agent?
1: Yes, he I, can, dude. Yes, he absolutely can. <laughs> so you're, underrating, you're underrating how good Brody Van Wagenen is as an agent like reinvest my
4: brother back. he has to know. divest and now he needs to reinvest yeah
2: what the hell that's my point like i'm not saying of course he's a good agent i know that he's clearly a better agent than he was a gm but like i just don't i literally don't know how that works i don't know how you can then re-acquire clients um including jed lowry just step <laughs> back in everybody was sitting in the seat keeping it warm for him you know everybody at yeah.
4: caa was just chilling i guess so. representing his clients i, I think it's so. really funny that we all assume that he would be fired the second the wilpons were gone as if like he was the wilpons guy and meanwhile they're like spelling his name wrong and press releases and undermining yeah, him at every turn thing. possible and making it seem like it was his fault like they're not linked to each other in any other respect than that they have failed collectively
2: yeah i think this yeah. is
1: an important they don't distinction like each other in regards to brody like the mets are not bad solely or primarily because of brody van Wagen. they are not they are ap- that is not fair to blame entirely on him yes he made some moves that have not turned out well i'm not going to say that but like
4: i also not... took a wheel off my car and said i made some moves that have not turned out well but okay <laughs> so, i don't my know why i can't I, I have three final, wheels still yeah
1: my final point being i think the likelihood is that the cohen's move on from brody van wagenen mostly because whenever a new person comes in and buys a team or runs a team, they want to put in their people, and it's pretty much that simple. And it's just what do you make of what do you make of Theo
4: Epstein? Theo what do you make of him? Because I've seen Mets Twitter lose their freaking minds over this because like one person wrote a blog about it. Well, it this doesn't is matter. It's on like my energy. It's on like a two hundred fifty word
2: Metsmerized blog. Yeah. It doesn't matter though, because if if Sandy's coming in, it's not like. Theo's coming in ahead of Sandy. Like, Sandy's not going to come back to be (laughs) second in command. Theo Epstein,
1: you know where he went to college? He went to Yale. Do you know which major league stadium is closest geographically to Yale? As the crow flies, City Field. If you're driving, (laughs) technically, it's Yankee Stadium. But as the crow flies.
2: Shouts out to the Throgs Neck Bridge, Jake. That's really impressive (laughs) stuff. Big Throgs Neck fan. <laughs> Neck fan. Uh, okay, my last point uh, before we move on and say goodbye to Mets Gun for this year is that it's truly remarkable that this New York Mets team with all their stars and all their promise and hopes and, and some things that went super well including maybe a third straight Cy Young and Dom Smith breakout and all these things are going to finish behind a two teams that had gigantic COVID outbreaks including the Marlins who were supposed Woo! to suck the Giants who suck the Phillies are the worst bullpen of all time, the Brewers who had one of the worst offenses in baseball history through the first 30 games, uh, and they're going to finish behind all of them. And you are still at MetsCon 5 because you're fine. That is amazing. There was a quote
1: from Nolan Arenado that applies here, where he was basically like... Thank you for bringing up teams, my future
4: third baseman. I appreciate that.
1: Okay. He was basically like, if there are eight teams that make the playoffs and we're not one of them, that's not good.
4: <laughs> hey, Colorado, can I interest you in Andres Jimenez? Andres, love you, but... Um... Adios. No. <laughs> I just want to say everything in life yeah. is relative, Jordan. This is why I'm at Metscon Five. Yep. Uh, you want to talk about the base runs record? There's small little nuggets that we could take into next year, and that's where Mets fans feel most comfortable. That. We're Love retreating. That. We're retreating. The the war is over this year, and I'm at Metscon five. Thank you, guys. Bobby right. is you, gonna Bobby.
1: deal with his seasonal uh depression by staring at the WRC <laughs> plus column on Fangraphs and seeing the Mets at the
2: top. Hey, that's what I do. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm gonna absolutely raking her. this year <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, all right we are that is it for MetsCon. we are not doing good bad Ugla, uh this week because we did something similar with meg uh so we are going to transition to the end of this podcast which of course is the moment of joy uh jake we have uh two we actually have two moments of joy uh slightly different so which one would you like to begin with
1: let's start with alex gordon alex gordon is retiring this is a moment of bittersweet joy for a very specific type of uh, fan. That specificity is a Royals fan. Alex Gordon is a super interesting figure in my mind in a lot of ways. I was thinking about this the other day, how you, when you win a World Series, you have to have a generational talent, at least one. And the Royals, in a lot of ways, of 2015 are the last team who did not have one, right? If you go back, Soto in 19, Mookie in 18, I would say Altuve and Bregman and Verlander in 17, Bryant Baez in 16, and then the Royals in 15. And Alex Gordon was not the best player on that Royals team, but he was the most Royals player on that Royals
2: team by a mile, Jordan. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who was, you know, the Royals sucked for a very, very long time, as we know. And they had their run of top 10 picks, a lot of which ended up on that team. And the Alex Gordon being really the first one going second overall in 2005. And honestly, of course, he was a big prospect when you're a top five pick, but he was like a disappointment, not just in the minors, relatively pretty good in the minors, but even for the first like four years of his major league career. It was like, damn, like, okay, Alex Gordon's like a fine to not great major leaguer. Like, this is not good. And then suddenly he becomes one of the best left fielders in baseball and goes on to win seven gold gloves. He also becomes a really good hitter right as they're becoming a good baseball team. And it kind of all clicked at the right time. He clicked when they clicked and the Royals won the goddamn World Series. And I like that he is going out. I like that even though his career numbers are not spectacular, I like that I will go back in 10 years and be like, hell yeah, Alex Gordon never played for another team because he is the most royal ever and I did not. we did not need to see his baseball reference page soiled by him playing 60 games for the Rays next year. We did not need that. We just didn't need that. So I'm glad that uh, it'll, it'll stay clean in 14 years in Kansas City.
1: Yes, 100%. Our other moment of joy, Jordan. Hitting a walk-off home run is joyous, but hitting a walk-off home run as your first career home run in the major leagues is even more joyous. Jordan, tell me about Yadiel Hernandez.
2: Like you just said, that's amazing. Now, added to the fact that you do that when you're 32 and you came from Cuba when you were like 29, uh, this dude, Yadiel Hernandez, barely was even playing baseball until he was like 20, and then he just shows up in the Cuban League and starts dominating for five years. Uh, He defects in 15, he comes over, to America he signs with the Nats at age 29 and has just been hanging out in the upper minors they finally give him a shot And he has his moment. And I know the Nats have stunk this year, but, like, every team still has some dope-ass moments, even in a 60-game season. That is the beauty of baseball. There are enough games that even if your team sucks, you're going to have some incredible things. Of course, the Nats have Juan Soto, too. But watching this happen for Yadiel Hernandez, who knows if he's a part of their future. I mean, he's going to be 33 next year, and the Nats are kind of entering this weird uh, space. But he deserved that moment. He earned it and uh very happy for him and you could tell it was it was very 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 special yeah. so
1: and he gets that moment forever and it, it it is worth comparing with another uh former national jordan i saw i i assume sarah langs tweeted this but i saw it online and i got her regurgitated here he is the third member of the franchise to have a walk-off home run be their first career home run do you know the other two? I know one of them. I can't remember Tim who the Raines, first one was. Oh, Tim, Tim Raines <laughs> and Will Nieves. Will Nieves, a famed Man. bad backup catcher for the Nationals who had his moment and Yadiel Hernandez gets his and that's it. He'll have that for the rest of his days.
2: Yes, it's so true. Will Nieves also hitting his his first homer at age 30. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great story um, and very, very glad that, that they had to got to have that moment because uh, the Nats uh, will soon no longer be the defending champions. Uh, Jake Mintz. I think, uh, I know we have uh, one more thing that we want to bring up, uh, shortly. Um, but, uh, I guess, first of all, I will just say thank you to Meg Rally. Thank you to Bobby Wagner for producing and for doing MetsCon and thank you, Jake Mintz, uh, for recording from the side of the road. Um, but we wanted to make sure we, uh, talked about one more thing before we say goodbye today. Yeah. Uh, so Jake, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I want to talk about the Tampa Bay Rays, Brianna Taylor tweet, uh, from opening day. I don't know how many of, have- you listeners have saw this or did not see it, but on opening day, the Tampa Bay Rays tweeted, opening day is a great day to arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. This is relevant today as it has been for the last three months, but particularly relevant Uh, yesterday, Wednesday afternoon. None of the three cops were indicted um, in relation to her murder. And it just brings up the topic of where do baseball teams fit in this conversation? Obviously, it is like not the sole responsibility of the Tampa Bay Rays or Major League Baseball to eradicate police brutality. Yes, that is not their responsibility, but it is their responsibility as civic institutions, right, that receive money from the government and act as, at least in theory, like bastions for their communities and for the Rays to tweet something like that and then not necessarily deeply investigate their relationship with law enforcement over the last couple months has been disappointing. Uh, Everyone should go follow former baseball barbecue guest Bradford William Davis. He had some good thoughts on this on Twitter, but I just wanted to point this out because it, it just kind of, I mean, it all fucking sucks, but like this, just really baseball related fucking sucks. So,
2: and I would just say uh, the only thing I would add is that um, these are lives. These aren't, it's never about the hashtags. It's never about what's trending. Like, we're talking about lives that are being lost senselessly, and there's no accountability. That's the problem. So, yes, of course, people are going to spread messages on Twitter, and that is important and valuable. But either be a part of the solution and work towards making this a better world, or you know, don't just throw stuff out there. So,
1: exactly, thank you like for, the the yeah. the, the memification of Breonna Taylor for internet clout uh, is just gross.
4: Yeah. So, Joe Schusterman,
1: um, thank you for mm-hmm. doing this podcast with me. Uh, Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Sorry if my audio was at times uh, outdoorsy. And uh, that's it. That's all I got to say.
2: That's it. Uh, We have quite the postseason preview pod uh, planned for you folks.
1: One one second, Jordan. What? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just recording something because I can't go inside anywhere. I appreciate it. Thank you for asking. Amazing.
2: Perfect. Well, that's that's a great way to end it. Uh, We will have a a (laughs) heck of a postseason preview for you folks uh, next week that we are very excited about. Uh, But until then, have a good weekend. It's going to be big. Have (laughs) have a good weekend. Uh, Stay safe. And uh, go Mets and Mariners who are not mathematically limited. Goodbye.